Hi, I'm Emma Cousin, an artist in South East London, and I started this podcast to keep us artists in touch under the lockdown. I wanted to talk to other artists about the impact on the artistic community and explore what's changed, what's lost and what's been discovered. In this episode, Guy Oliver and I talk about taking advantage of being a full-time artist for a while and this period as a time of transition. We talk about his film, You Know Nothing of My Work, commissioned by Joe Wood Visual Arts and Film and Video Umbrella, the opening of the show of which has been postponed. We talk about sincerity, the band Lost Profits, and ideas of disgrace. We discuss Woody Allen, American Dads, the author, and ideas of betrayal and disappointment. We talk about slipping in provocative words, collage as a methodology, about poetry and rhyme, and about Guy singing, even though he can't sing. We think on justice and when it fails. We talk about Guy learning to ride a bike and his insecurity at being an adult. We end on parks and recreation and the adaptability of humans. Thank you for joining us for Chats with Artists Under Lockdown. Hello, Guy Oliver. Hello, Emma Cousin. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm, I'm quite well. Good, good. How how are you? Um, how are you feeling? How are you? How are you being? How are you feeling at this time? Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. You kind of feel a bit guilty if you say you're kind of feeling all right. Um, <laughs> but but I think I think strangely quite a lot of people are um, doing okay and kind of not. <laughs> of course, it kind of like there there's a huge kind of mixed bag. It goes with it and you sort of fluctuate between extremes but um yeah it's not it's not um i mean for me as an artist i think uh, strangely kind of artists are probably adapting to this quite well because it doesn't necessarily kind of change our routine massively mm. um we're sort of self-sufficient independent um workers anyway yeah and, yeah you know we're kind of generally pretty isolated in our kind of working practices so um, yeah it's true yeah, it hasn't hasn't felt like a huge shift it's just that it's just there's not the variety that you normally have with normal life yeah so it hasn't changed much like your the next you know your day-to-day um routine and your this the next steps that you were planning has any of that been shifted or altered or you know kind of limited or um not really. I mean, it, it came at a very odd time for me because I was um, just cu- literally just come to the end of a, a project that ran for the uh, best part of nine months. And mm. at that point, I, uh, I was able last year, I got some funding from a couple of sources. So I was kind of uh, last summer, I quit my part time job. I worked at the National Gallery for um, many years. Yeah, very proudly. <laughs> yeah full, full 10 years I was, I was there um it's it's part part of my part of my whole identity a bit um but it yeah it felt nice to to, to kind of be a full-time artist for the first time I suppose yeah. and so I'd been doing that um and then so this project this I had a film commission project um that was coming to an end so I was kind of going to get back into paid employment trying to find some um Mm. odd jobs um uh sort of part-time work anyway when when this happened when the world stopped yeah um, so 
uh, in a way, it sort of extended this um, full time yeah. artist vocation yeah. for me. Um, yeah, yeah. If temporarily, but uh, yeah, it was def- it was it was going to be a bit of a shift time, a transition time, anyway. Um, yeah, I think that helps, doesn't it? If you can see it in that way, and also feel that, that it's a bit of a gift in that it's extended something for you in a way. Mm, mm. Has has it extended you thinking about that specific piece? Are you still? I mean, I know you're not still working on it, but are you sort of re- going over it, or kind of is it like when you've I don't know, you've done something and you look back on it, are you sort of thinking things you'll do differently or are you really chuffed with it or has it extended into another work? Um, Yeah, I've certainly moved on and I think I was quite, uh, I was quite eager to move on. (laughs) Well, it'd been been a year, is that right? uh, Roughly, yeah, yeah. all all in all. Um, So it would sort of, it was starting to feel a bit, not an albatross, but like it was... um, (laughs) It, 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 it sort of hung over everything and I couldn't really sort of concentrate on other work um, until that was that was done so it feels a bit liberating mm. to to get it over and done with and and um, that no I haven't really looked back at it um, no. I it will be weird because so basically this was for the um, Jerwood film and video umbrella uh, commission um, so the, there was supposed to be so two, two artists me and uh, an artist called Roman Sadani uh, got mm-hmm. each get um, get this award. Uh, two artists get the, the award each year, and um, there's an exhibition that goes with that. And that was supposed to open on the second of April, mm. so it was it was very close to to showtime. Um, but at least we, they had time to kind of formally postpone everything and start making plans for how that would kind of work. So it, it is on hold now. Yeah, um, they had actually sort of started to turn over the gallery, so the the, the exhibition is kind of spatially installed um, at uh, Jerwood Space, and we're just kind of waiting for the green light for that uh, for that to to open uh, properly. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a strange sort of pause. It's sort of um, it's finished, but it's not it's not yeah. open, uh, and the world like no one's really seen it properly. And how does that feel? Is that sort of, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because in some ways that's like, I don't know if it's not really the highlight, but it's this, it's a goal. It's like an end, like you say, it's a celebration. Mm. It's a, a night to ha- have a chance for everyone that you care about to see it and your peers and your friends. And, yeah. Um, but it's also that thing of, I don't know, relief in some way. <laughs> how, how has it felt um, having that obsession, that like time, <sighs> you know, that obsession that's taken over everything that then is now like, yeah, well, initially when things, you know, started to look like, okay, the, you know, everything is, is shutting down, um, the fear was that it would just, it would somehow kind of, um, there was that, that in-between point where you thought, oh, it might kind of open, but maybe we can't have a, an opening, and or it might be, it'll just sort of dampen everything. So mm-hmm. there was a kind of a relief that it was going to be actually, you know, we're going to wait until we can can't it yeah. can be opened properly yeah. now it, it's it's there's no way of knowing what opening up galleries is going to look like um mm. so it's there's still a bit of limbo but at least there was a kind of reassurance that um it was going to happen and the whole schedule was going to be put back you know for everything like with all galleries like the, the program yeah that was in place you know that's you know that's you know for institutions it's like years in the planning you know the, yeah. the program um 
forthcoming exhibition programs. But yeah, that now this is so strange, it's so unusual that everything is having to be rethought and rewritten. Yeah, um, and, and moved and shifted and. Yeah, so yeah, it's it, it, it was an odd it was an odd place to kind of end up at. Mm. Um, it makes me think a lot about how you work, though, in terms of when. Um, when I've seen your films, and I have been immersing myself a lot in it, um, just prior to this, obviously. Um, but it feels if they do feel like you've gone down a rabbit hole, and you're like, you know, that idea that it was an albatross. I really like that it feels like that a little bit. It's like an obsession. It's a way of looking mm. at the world through a lens mm. um, for a while, and and everything starts to be questioned through that. And I don't mm. know if all your, you know, that obsession. I wonder how. Um, how much it starts off with, you know, or this is the the idea for the premise, you know, for the application yeah. or for the video piece or for the, um, you know, and then it unravels and how and how kind of it unravels and expands and then contracts and then expands maybe again because they really have that feeling of of um, pace in them, which is a bit like an obsession, you know, it kind of goes fast mm. and furious and then it becomes like fat and you're sat in it. So um, <laughs> it's like a... I just wondered if you could maybe talk a little bit about that in terms of process with, with working with a concept and a film over that amount of time with people, with funding, um, yeah. on but with an idea as well, that idea of like taking one thought and sort of expanding it to that point and where it takes you in the end. Yeah, kind of going to the limit of it. Mm, exactly. Yeah, you know, I think that's really accurate the way you kind of described that, that it starts off as one thing and then you get enveloped in it. And I tried to in in this in the film that I've made um, that's sort of portrayed quite literally, I suppose. My so I'm a kind of or a version of me is the protagonist in the film, mm. and it starts off in a charity shop where I find um, a particular CD, and uh, it's a CD by the band Lost Prophets, mm. and um, many people will know that. They became embroiled in really horrible um, story involving the the lead singer, who was revealed to be um, a really unpleasant paedophile. <coughs> and so, so it, this this was basically based on a on a true story that I would a couple of times I would see these lost profit CDs in charity shops because I'd often sort of you know peruse the old CD yeah. sections. <laughs> And it was like this strange kind of mistake that this was there, that this, like the band has sort of almost been erased because the story was so unpleasant and the the, the, the kind of, uh, I don't know, just the the strange kind of banality of a rock band um, Mm. just wasn't worth, (laughs) I don't know, like it it, it was such a besmirched thing that... um, and not not a very significant culturally significant band anyway, but like mm. it's um, they had their following, blah blah. Mm. Um, uh, but this idea that when when artists or creative people uh, become disgraced or, or embroiled in scandal, um, this like awkwardness of what they've made and put out into the world is sort of left behind. Mm. And um, I saw this kind of charity shop moment as a sort of symbolic of this that it's sort of like something that's fallen through the gaps that our tendency is to kind of want to kind of erase unpleasantness or or, or uncomfortable scenarios from the past like that mm. and um 
and something went wrong, you know, uh, yeah. in the system for this to exist here in, in this place. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, so in the film, I kind of recreate that. But then, um, as you say, I kind of see the scale of this problem in this moment that actually this kind of disgrace um kind of this kind of realization of of, of disgrace actually has, a, has affected many other kind of works of art or many other figures from mm. from culture and i see the scale of it and, and i get kind of obsessed with it and kind of don't know kind of what to do about mm. it or how to respond to it and that sort of takes me down this strange kind of um almost sort of dreamlike um episodic exploration of this this issue about how we kind of how we react to these these ideas of of, of disgraced um disgraced artists of note yeah yeah well it is episodic and even as much as it's chapters isn't it so mm. it goes um and also it's really i think it's worth stating that it's also a lot of it's sung it's like yes. <laughs> and i mean sung in a, in as much as it reminded me so much of victoria wood um right you know her I don't know, I don't know what you, that right implies that you're like oh I'm not sure about that but um I guess there's a piano playing and then you're singing mm-hmm. that kind of the comedy element the stand-up comedy comedy of that as a territory um I guess yeah. to address these things is really prevalent like that's that's like the the thing that carries the whole thing is this like and also the musical maybe yeah the musical or like rock opera yeah thinking of those those kind of things um or music videos or but but yeah like com- comedy music is a sort of sort of genre in itself like although at times it's quite sincere and kind of talking about real things um it's um there's there's also that fact that um that the comedy is a kind of a overt tool within the film and within a lot of my work um dis- despite the sort of difficult subject matter yeah 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 definitely i'm loving all the uh, the, the sound effects in the background it's quite comedic <laughs> as well it sounds like it's it's like a uh, fake noise. stage set yeah creaky yeah. noises um i like the, that that comment about sincerity as a tool but also sincerity as a genuine thing um mm. because that's something i think in a way um even like your it's really weird i was thinking that something about your demeanor and how you dress and thinking about figures like peter k and 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 Mm -hmm. in as much as like friendly open kind of neutral um in some sense and likable you know like and there's like a naivety and a and your sincerity because obviously this is a lot of the things that i referenced are from sort of i don't know the 90s i guess yeah Um, yeah so it's your personal sort of uh, history and your personal mm-hmm. narrative with that um, and I just wonder how much because this is probably the it's, it's not as personal in terms of things that you're that you're drawing in it feels like at least like in one of the films um, the there was a songs of praise episode where you and your family were in it and then mm-hmm. there's also Boddington your cat for instance so they're kind of like the the ciphers of you are yeah. slightly removed i don't know is that yeah i think i think that's fair it's it's much more of a kind of broader cultural overview um but i suppose my work's always uh, on some level is about my kind of relationship to popular culture um and uh i suppose what's because because i'm you know 
in it. Um, it's kind of, it's sort of supposed to be my kind of journey of discovery. Yeah. Um, through this this uh, through this kind of strange phenomenon. Um, I suppose like yeah, it's it's not it's not as directly personal, but um, there are there are sort of elements of of um, the fact that I've sort of chosen uh, Woody Allen as a figure that's sort of referenced quite heavily mm. within the film. And the film is called um, "You Know Nothing of My Work," yeah, which is a quote from Annie Hall, and it seems sort of apt about the idea of how we kind of read people's work and mm. um, how we kind of see a sort of element of elements of self-portraiture in the work of artists mm. and someone like Woody Allen it's very prevalent because he's always in his work mm. and it's all it's it's and it feels so close to his persona his life um blah blah and even when he's not mm. in the film he's using another actor to kind of do an impression of him yeah um but then over the years and more so recently you know I think the, our opinion of him has kind of has shifted and um that he's sort of he's well many people would consider him to be a disgraced figure but mm. he's sort of um he's still making work he still kind of has support and um and it's a kind of difficult one to sort of position yourself um especially <laughs> if like me I was always a big fan of his and uh, he I think he something of his work has really influenced mine mm. and so it's kind of that there's a sort of personal um, sense of loss with um, with a figure like that. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm kind of interested in. That that actually it really means something. That if people, you know, for people who've spent their whole lives being obsessed with Michael Jackson, you know, yeah. this, this very yeah. real um, sense of kind of betrayal or um, disappointment or a kind of you know a sense of identity that's tied to these people. Mm. Um, because you know, for me, I'm sort of a bit obsessed with pop popular culture so it's sort of um mm. and, I'm, and i'm always interested in how we kind of use um popular culture to to be to kind of infiltrate our identity so yeah that's why i became really obsessed with this this idea um of you know when you when when so suddenly you're you're confronted with a truth you didn't know about um someone that you really love you know mm. like a creative figure that you really love yeah, there's definitely that unstable. I think you also mentioned at one point a father figure that these mm. characters at some point are. Mm. So that idea also of um, the kind of be, how to be a man is really addressed, like mm. how to um, how to fulfil that role and be that person and not be that person at the same time, you know? Yeah, there's there's some references to to Bill Cosby in the yeah, film. Quite, I mean, yeah. he he, he yeah, I was I was thinking of. Woody Allen, but but also um, Bill Cosby is such the, the quint, quintessential father figure. Mm. Um, I mean, he was referred to as America's dad because he kind of the Cosby Show kind of unified the whole country. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean um, that that sense of um, you know real almost kind of like it's kind of culturally traumatic, you know, when when a figure is is actually beloved like that. 
Um, yeah, it's also authority figures, though, isn't it? Because I, mm. I feel like you're really challenging that in as much as you present yourself as the presenter, which has a sort mm. of because you're sort of being the present, like the role of a presenter. You're you dress in that way of like seventies to nineties presenter, mm. and we could talk about that a little bit and some of those influences. But um, you know, but then you kind of undermine yourself throughout with different voices of authority, and you expose yourself. You know, at one point you speak to TJ, T one J. Um, I didn't know who that, who that was. So I don't know if you could talk. I was interested in the different roles of authority to voice throughout and how you sort of destabilise each of them. Yeah, so I suppose each chapter has a slightly different sort of... Pers- I, 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 I inhabit a different persona or of a yeah. variation of my own persona. So yeah, some some I am like a TV presenter kind of providing sort of factual knowledge and, mm-hmm. and talking about the kind of BBC um talking about the sort of scandals that have involved like Jimmy Savile and the BBC um mm. but kind of in that role that 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 um that classic sort of arts broadcaster role which I've you know yeah I've referred to before in some other others of other of my works mm. um but then yeah you're right to kind of use the word naivety earlier mm. I, I don't know why I kind of fall into that um that kind of role, I suppose it's, it, it, yeah, maybe kind of fluctuating between father, father figures and and child, childlike figures. Mm. And um, you do that with scale too, because at one point you're like tiny and you're on the mm, books, mm. and the books become like these bibles or tombs or, I don't know, the, the kind of displacement of the body is really interesting as well throughout. Yes, yeah, there's something about them being, yeah, kind of totemic or mono- yeah. monolithic. Um, but yeah, and, it, and it's also a way of kind of undermining or making absurd, you know, my sort of like voice of authority. Yeah. 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 But but I always want, yeah, you kind of want that kind of sense of questioning, um, kind of a bit of uncertainty about how, what my role is as the sort of narrator, um, or as, as the, as the, as the authored uh, voice within the film yeah and you do really challenge that towards the end I don't want to give too much away because I think it's important people see it for real <laughs> but I think it really it does really slip and you're like oh like near the end there's a bit where yeah I think I feel like the conclusion the sort of latter three chapters mm. um that slide becomes quite um the the gradient changes and that's that's a real it's a real device that, that for me shifted me and um, and I think it also makes you sincerely question um, how autobiographical the work is, because 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 you're so vulnerable, I suppose it's like, oh yeah, this is a real. Um, it's not just it's autobiographical, but it's also bigger than just that as well. There's this tiny fallen angel kind of chatting through these things. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. One of the kind of push and pull with yeah, how you see, I suppose the author, like the idea of the yeah. author. Um, which is, you know, because that becomes so much a part of, you know, there's such a mystique that goes with the sort of, you know, the, the auteur kind of persona. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, about how how we read work. It's very, it's very strange. It's like, um, to what extent is, like, a Woody Allen film a Woody Allen film? Like, mm. there's lots of people involved when you when you're making a movie like the director mm. always gets credit for it but um 
there are sort of hundreds of people involved and hundreds of elements of creativity. Yeah. Um, but also once you've made something, it becomes its own thing in the world. And I was reading a very interesting point that a journalist was talking about Woody Allen and mm. so she was saying that he doesn't have control about how we read the work. It's not yeah. his anymore. It's, it's the viewers. It's, yeah. It kind of is an autonomous thing. Mm. Um, but that comes to that comes back to the idea of the difficult, the difficulty of like, and that's what the question is in the film. Like, how do we separate art from the artist? Is it, is it possible? Mm. And ultimately like, as I say in the film, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, <laughs> it, which is so, why, yeah, it's so complicated and messy, and I think that's why, why I'm sort of drawn to it. Like you can, you can keep, you can keep kind of exploring it and kind of going into it, yeah, uh, endlessly. Um, yeah, and I think there's a few things I guess um, that stood out in those terms that that in order to make it kind of more controlled or more the kind of the idea that something was going to be delivered like a conclusion or some kind of allegoric fable um the poetry that's in it is phenomenal not just the lyricism but the rhyme um which it's it's throughout the whole thing this kind of the clever rhyming which is kind of an it feels like easy it's like an easy way to make poetry but then when you when you kind of experience it as a as a pace and also um it you know it nods to like childhood um and you're imagining that it's going to go dum ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum and then end and it kind of doesn't deliver that final line um and it also the idea that you're then using the rhyme to just to kind of um, veil words like nonce and like kind of like naughty cheeky like words mm. that are kind of shameful um in a way that feels light and I think there's something about that interplay that also um I I was like really plagued by after I was like oh oh you know it kind of makes you shiver a bit I wondered how that that relationship and if you do write and if poetry is a you know how maybe you could just talk about that the rhyming yeah it's um it's funny it's kind of it's a difficult balance when when using humor uh, to talk about serious things, there's always the risk of kind of being um, being obnoxious or being flippant or um, being offensive. Mm. So it's um, as you say, there's a, there's a sort of Victoria Wood kind of whimsy in some some of the some of the yeah. songs yeah. that I think that's 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 why humour can be really effective. It can actually encapsulate things more succinctly and um i don't know the the delivery of it can be it makes the the what's being said kind of all the the more surprising so in a strange way it becomes more powerful hopefully like Mm. when you say you slip you slip certain uh provocative words in there when you're not expecting them yeah i mean humor is so is so tied to surprise sense of surprise um Mm. we're not you know it's, it's kind of mysterious, like why we laugh at things, but that's what's one of the key things that it's it's a bit of build up and then 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 a release of sort of a surprising tension. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've always it's kind of it's it's kind of always how I've made artwork, um, having a slightly a slightly sort of provocative but um, 
provocative kind of sense of, of how to use humor but not never never wanting to provoke for its own sake yeah just, yeah it just yeah it just seems to be my natural way of communicating and perhaps the sort of influence of things that I've grown up with and absorbed um, and have you ever done stand-up because I was really intrigued that it was singing which is like the most somehow the most cringy kind of comedy you know what I mean it's like oh no uh I haven't I've done some performance works that that are kind of um yeah humorous yeah. um and doing more of those more recently and and it's it's a it's a pretty recent thing actually the the, the, the song element the sort of original song element um within my work although my work sort of often sort of involved music or, or kind of music culture yeah. um quite consistently um it's a, it's a new development to kind of really involve kind of poetry and uh, songwriting and you're doing um, that actually on you on not on youtube on um instagram right at the moment there's quite a few popping up over this like lockdown time yeah um because i've i guess i do I have really been enjoying um, this sort of songwriting format as as a sort of uh, you know as a as a form as a as a form to kind of get 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 ideas out there. So I'm sort of pushing that idea, and um, yeah, since lockdown, I've been trying to make my own songs kind of from scratch because I could never. I always kind of worked with with other musicians before when I was doing things. I would write the, the, uh. the words. So um, the idea was to kind of use, as many people are, like use lockdown to do the things that we haven't sort of ever got round to do that you always have to like <laughs> yeah. put off. And so like the, the idea is that I'm learning to play uh, keyboard mm. and learn to write, write my own songs. So yeah, I've started that, put a couple of those out there and they're kind of songs about the um, sort of lockdown experience. Mm. But yeah, there's 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 a sort of style I guess I sort of fall into that's kind of I don't I, I don't I don't feel like I relate to it very well, but like sarcasm sarcasm. There is there is a sort of sense of sarcasm in a lot of my work. Like a sort of more more like a kind of deadpan humour that's mm. that's a, 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 at the same time kind of ironic but also quite emotional and um that kind of emotional sincerity that's there mm. that, are, that I'm always trying to be sort of genuine with what, with what I'm saying and um, is that um the, is the kind of exposure because it's you and because you're not you know that like you say you're learning the keyboard so it's kind of yeah. like it's all that part of that it's yeah it's, and and like uh should should mention that in this musical that I've made I can't really sing like I'm not a singer <laughs> I didn't all. want to say it no I'm joking <laughs> yes it will be very evident um <laughs> so that's sort of that's a joke in itself I suppose yeah um but also yeah it is it is one of the most sort of vulnerable states you can sort of be in it's like sort of singing like your voice being being kind of out there um to be judged yeah <laughs> um yeah. so yeah my my it comes back a lot in my work like a sense of vulnerability but also a sense of failure I suppose of, mm. of sort of not doing things <laughs> not knowing how to do things yeah, quite yeah, properly I made another film a few years ago about trying to learn how to ride a bike um because I I, could, I I never actually learned to ride a bike properly when I was a kid yeah it's a thing that I've always sort of tried to hide yeah as an adult and then um, 
<laughs> going to the other extreme of documenting me <laughs> getting on a bike for the first time um, yeah. as an art as part of an art video that's really interesting it just makes me think who you are looking to or have you know through your history what characters what kind of comedians do you have you been looking towards comedy to do you have like key yeah. comedians in your life or are the other people you mentioned quite a lot we haven't talked about but these presenter figures um do they come under the same banner or how are these different influences working well, I, um, I keep seeing it in my work, uh, that, that kind of deadpan tone of mm. sort of parody. Um, I think a lot of that comes from Chris Morris, um, and particularly the day-to-day. -day. Do you know Chris Morris? Um, only from what you sent, to be honest. <laughs> so I'm glad you sent me some stuff beforehand. <laughs> I've, so I should yeah, say, yeah, I can include some of the links Guy sent, but he, it, it's really like delicious having these things that I can get lost in your head for a while um so yes yeah, so you you definitely talk more about it that'd be great yeah Chris Morris is this sort of um uh, kind of cult com comedic figure um who he, he most people know might know Brass Eye or the day-to-day -day or Jam um these kind of series made in the 90s that had a quite yeah they were they were incredibly surreal particularly jam is um if anyone knows uh jam is a sort of surreal sketch show but it's it, it, it's quite extreme it's that it's really un uncompromising isn't it i watched it and i was like yeah Oof. it's yeah. so dark that mm -hmm. it's um kind of shocking a lot of the time yeah um but before, but earlier was was it were, um in the early 90s was was the day-to-day -day, which was um uh, kind of a news parody uh, program mm -hmm. it's where um, Steve Coogan and um, Alan Partridge sort of first started he was the, the sports presenter mm -hmm. but it was so it was such an accurate um, portrayal of the sort of contemporary news show and then I remember when I watched it for the first time I was probably only about nine or something yeah and I thought I thought it was a real um, news news program <laughs> sort of, it was the one where the, the, there was a guy on death row who was obsessed with Elvis and he wanted to dress up as Elvis on the, uh, on his, um, on the electric chair and oh. eat hamburgers until his weight uh, gained 300 pounds or something and then he would be electrified. It's completely ridiculous. Oh yeah. But I was watching it, I was like, this is very strange. I don't understand what I'm looking <laughs> yeah. um, But... It, it, it's it's still it's so spot on mm -hmm. I think it's aged pretty well um but yeah I think I think his sort of thumbprint over my sort of brain is, yeah. is quite sort of evident in a lot of my work the idea of sort of the sort of formal devices of tv present presentation and broadcasting yeah I think there's there's so much to kind of play with and and to sort of subvert um well, especially in um, art, because it was the time of, you know, like I, I always think of like that John Berger, how to see mm. programs and the like you said, Kenneth Clark. And there's there's lots of those figures, too, around. So it's like a it feels like you bring these two worlds, the kind of academic, um, you know, bringing bringing lectures into the home. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I think also seeing what you what you do, particularly at the moment, feels like you know, thinking of people like Louis Theroux and the whole like the Tiger King mm. thing and all these exposés and and having your work sit somewhere in in, a, in in all the midst of all that that we're kind of subject to or experiencing is really particular. Yeah, I was I was re-watching the 
the film you mentioned earlier, Songs of Eternal Praise. Mm. And it's it's it, it is quite an unusual approach because I'm kind of it's it's cl- in some ways it's closer to sort of conventional documentary. Definitely, yeah. To to the sort of um, kind of standard video art practices. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually explaining things literally, and mm. and, uh, and I'm sort of it's like not talking heads, but I'm kind of a presenter in front of the camera, mm. and then I'll switch back to like some archive footage that I'm talking about. Mm. So it, it's it's yeah, it kind of follows those those sort of documentary templates quite quite closely um in the same way that sometimes i'm not sure if i'm if i'm not just making a kind of elaborate comedy sketch um, mm. but i suppose at the same time i don't sort of worry too much about that i'm just kind of making something that i want to exist if you yeah know what i mean um, yeah and perhaps but- that's that's maybe it's uh if they're successful it's part of the success is that they don't follow mm. follow a kind of logical um like them being as art films this yeah is maybe a sort of illogical approach to, to, yeah to yeah how you do that yeah yeah definitely and, and in that in those terms what like the reasons for it to exist is that also like their political motivations or or maybe it may be more social political but ideas around justice and shame are they like are you you know is that important is that yeah yeah it was um it was really interesting when you you brought that up before that that, mm. that i i was looking at some of my work and that and then it occurred to me like this idea of of justice seemed to be running through quite a Definitely. lot yeah i did this piece where it was a um kind of painting thing piece a two-dimensional <laughs> piece <laughs> where i a painting of, thing yeah, it's like a well, screen printed the it, uh, a sort of found image onto um, uh, this, this structure. Mm. Um, the, the image was of O.J. Simpson um, just after it was a photo taken just after he was uh, found not guilty of his mm. trial in in ninety four, mm. and um, he's sort of he uh, he's sort of blowing his cheeks out. Um, as a sense of like you know in a moment of relief but he's got this weird smile on his face as well mm. and it um it's it's it encapsulates so many strange things it's sort of funny but it's also horrifying at the same time yeah and um yeah seems to sort of represent so much in one one sort of captured photo but and it was never quite sure what exactly what it was that I kept going back to this photo and what what drew me to it? I mean, partly there's a sort of fascination with it because I remember I watched the the verdict being read out live. I was only a mm. kid. I remember coming home from school. I just just caught it. Um, it was sort of being broadcast live on the news. And but it but there's something about what we know about the truth of that trial. You know that somehow like uh, justice was sort of in freefall. Like we knew that he did it mm. and he got away with, literally got away with murder but mm. it also sort of represented so much injustice it was sort of tied to so much um um you know societal in, injustice in america mm. and all of those issues sort of coalesced in 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 that kind of moment so it kind of and again it kind of i'm sort of interested in these ideas of the, the balance between comedy and tragedy Mm. Um, and I'm always sort of trying to find find these moments that sort of represent that 
Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think this, the the Jerwood um, FEU film uh, that I made is, is very much about when justice kind of fails, uh, mm-hmm. or like le- legal justice. Yeah. That, um, that so many of these figures, it's sort of uh, these sort of disgraced cultural figures, again and again, it comes down to kind of um, sexual crimes mm-hmm. um, that are really hard to prove. And um, and that there is a kind of movement that, that's had to sort of redress, redress the sort of balance um, where sort of legal justice has, has, has failed, has mm-hmm. failed people. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I, and during the making of that film, I was kind of reading that John Ronson book. Um, mm-hmm. It's called uh, "So You've Been Publicly Shamed." Yeah, and sort of tying in a lot of those those ideas, um, mm-hmm. where how can I say that 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 on online kind of justice um, kind of ran out of control slightly. Yeah, that 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 in the early as he describes, like the early days of Twitter, um, yeah. people understood that they could actually, they actually could uh, could congregate and create actual change, um, you know, through sort of campaigning. Yeah. Um, but that power that people realised they had has sort of like, yeah, has kind of grown and um, has become sort of strangely disproportionate that people can be ruined and publicly shamed. Yeah. for quite sort of minor indiscretions and that kind of mob, the mob mentality is sort of, um, yeah, slightly run amok in, yeah. you know, in today's online world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, that, and the balance between, because there's also there this, the, what that um, book kind of shows or demonstrates or kind of encapsulates is also that appetite for like the kind of viciousness. There's this real mm. like, um, almost like vampiristic, like, blood sucking like let's it, it kind of people people get a bit of a hit and he mm. actually talks about hearing people support him he's like yeah I'm right you know this kind of binary thing is really reinforced by those platforms you know um, yeah. but it also brings out a real bloodthirsty quality which is kind of quite scary you know some of the comments particularly on the short because there's a version of that book which which is a um a short like uh not quite a podcast, but a, li- a little um, online. Mm, like an abbreviated uh, version. Yeah, exactly. Abbreviated version, abridged version. And um, and in that, there's there's a real sense of 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 that coming through. And he sort of, God, I was really pleased. And I was get, getting off on it, you know? Mm. Yeah, there's a sort of inherent violence sort of in people. Mm. And, it, and it, it doesn't take a lot to for us to kind of fall back into our, like, animal states sometimes. And that the weird thing is that people do, humans often like being violent. Mm. Um, Soldiers will talk about that, you know, that they actually um, get such a thrill in kind of war zones scenarios. Mm. And it sort of disturbs them. It's something that they never kind of imagined, um, you know, that they were capable of. and I suppose it's like something that I'm trying to sort of question in in my recent films that uh, it, it's kind of easy to fall into that, that binary way of thinking yeah. and to sort of cut things down and to, I think part of the reason we enjoy it is because it 
it makes us feel separate from that mm. that we if we really hate somebody who's who's done something wrong it kind of removes us from feeling feeling like that or, or mm. that we could be subject to that kind of vitriol ourselves or that we we, we won't that desire to sort of be seen as 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 good mm. and, and the way of doing that is to kind of show that other people are bad yeah um and so yeah i just want to sort of question that and kind of try and implicate us all that we're all capable of doing bad things yeah or that 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 um yeah human nature is is odd that good good people can do bad things yeah that's, that's the very very strange thing that it sounds like i'm sort of moving towards being an apologist for 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 um I don't know, you know, Woody Allen or or whatever, and I'm and I'm, and I'm not. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 more of a. I'm just kind of drawn to those kind of morally messy, mm-hmm. or kind of hard to decipher um, kind of issues, I suppose. And it's often male figures, isn't it, it that you've mm-hmm. focused on? Mm-hmm. I, I wondered if that's always, you know, if that's conscious or if that is just that they happen to be these people, or if. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If if there were the odd woman, you know what what's that about and where that is from? Yeah, well, when I started this recent project, I I wasn't thinking of it as being a totally male um, issue mm. that it could be any kind of disgraced artist, and and they did co- consider sort of tying in. There were certain people like like Roseanne Barr has sort of mm. <laughs> fallen into that category, or someone like Azealia Banks. Uh, if you know her and some of the terrible things she so at this point we're interrupted by Guy's housemate and so Guy moves loses internet connection reconnects and settles into a new room where we can pick up the chat what was missed was me asking him if the characters are always real and what role did fiction and imagination play in working with these characters back on brilliant so sorry that's kind of your thing oh yeah just to to kind of take to kind of sample like events or figures from culture that that sort of tell a story that tell a story about can you hear me yeah 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 um tell a kind of wider story about about society or culture in general or or kind of about my own sort of narrative and kind of understanding my own life (laughs) Um, and about my kind of relationship to them it's often about time and about sort of shifts in time a lot of my work kind of looks to the recent past um, that's maybe a remembered past or or a a kind of past that's that you sort that sort of infiltrates your kind of um yeah, your kind of cultural world, yeah, um, a, a kind of cultural landscape that you kind of inhabit. That's what I'm kind of interested in. That you sort of you, you kind of take you, t- you take the past with you. Um, all, all artists kind of borrow from borrow from the past or, or take influences from things from different eras. And, yeah, um, it's kind of what what gets what gets taken along for the ride is really interesting <laughs> to me 
yeah. how the past can kind of reveal things about the present. Yeah, that's interesting because there is often a slight tinge of nostalgia, even though it's just in the the, the quality of the tones. Like I'm often thinking like brown, mm. um, this kind of brown beigey like '70s carpet colours um, mm. feel really present, but not not super obvious, but sort of slightly on the edge of the tone mm. of of what's being seen. Um, as well um, and I just wondered about the color you talked about collage pra- your mm. collage practice um, and I had a thought about it being sort of this cut and paste technique um, that feels a lot like drawing too but also feels um, quite kind of chaotic to me um, mm. like how do you keep hold of all this and where mm. I'm thinking of like John Stezica's boxes and um, mm. you know the kind of like archive of material do you have that and is that visual do you have are you like you you mentioned the film as well um about being a hoarder is that real is that true is that you know do you have that sense of keeping things and in order to use them later uh yeah that's definitely true um (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to always sort of fight those tendencies Mm. um it, it, it kind of annoys uh lindsay my partner quite quite often <laughs> um that i do that that is my sort of default of kind of hanging on to things from the past mm. um and yeah that 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 film about the boxes of of old magazines that mm. i made kind of about this archive of like hundreds of sunday times culture sections i made a whole kind of uh performance video thing about about that and it's true um they're mm. in my my parents' house, and they're yeah, they're in about twenty or thirty boxes in my old bedroom. Wow. Um, yeah, and there's something about the kind of s- storing them in a certain way as well. And mm. um, I do have that kind of uh, collector's kind of mindset, you know, that, that that kind of addictive nature of wanting to complete a set or yeah, that that's kind of like I guess that's part of my practice those yeah. things there's a certain point where you, you kind of realize that I'm just kind of going to make my work about what I like <laughs> what, what, what really sort of turns me on and, yeah and the things that have sort of have hung around in my life um for whatever reason and and that's that's yeah you, you that's what makes the work kind of fun yeah <laughs> um, yeah that's what what gives you the drive to do it because you kind of want to explore why that's interesting to you mm. why yeah. a certain image or bit of footage kind of is is resonant somehow and and then sort of find connections with something else as well that seems to sort of stick in parts of, the, of your brain I mean that's the songs of eternal praise video kind of started it, it kind of was in my head for for years really um the the like one bit of footage um and then you kind of think you're conscious of it of another piece of footage kind of being quite similar Mm. I think I think it started maybe with that moment in uh back to no the um three men and a baby where there's Mm. supposed to be a um there's a there was an urban myth that there's a a ghost of a dead boy yeah in the background of a scene Mm which I'd heard about and had then seen later. And then then that was similar to the, the, the myth about the Wizard of Oz, mm. and there being a, a dead munchkin in the background of another scene. Yeah. And so this, then, a, then an idea starts rolling in your head and it, it kind of 
like the premise is kind of about ghosts. I was going to say it's totally ghostly, yeah. Yeah, and that, and also about how kind of moving image is sort of, yeah, kind of examples of 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 a kind of ghostliness or, or moments of precarity between life and death. Um, mm. But about how how moving image captures these things, or about how cinema or TV kind of accidentally catch catch things, and then you kind of you, there's a sort of forensic. Uh, aspect to them you kind mm. of rewatch to see the the ghostly apparition or something like that or the moment that something happens but then it also notice. it also makes me think of how you use home video which I love because I was always like what is the point in these like you know they're really embarrassing and your parents get them out of Christmas and show <laughs> your boyfriend and stuff but that idea of them like it's like watching ghosts of yourself or something and the family's yeah. ghosts like you're full of your family's ghosts that's how your identity is formed in some ways so that feels interesting too. Um, well, that childhood is always a kind of go- there's a ghostliness that comes with your 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 image as a child. You know that yeah. that you, you always kind of outgrow it and shed that skin. And that, the, the people we are as children don't don't ever exist. You know, you become mm. something completely different. Hopefully, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> I mean, or not. I think that's part of it, isn't it? The tension between development and changing and like moving forward and then mm. we're still stuck in the past in some way that's yeah it. and I think that's a sort of a big factor in my work like a sort mm. of insecurity about being an adult and yeah like the, the idea of that um video of me learning to ride a bike yeah. um sort of adulthood and, and masculinity as well like my my sense like the, those the uncertainty and, and anxiety about those sort of like um you know identities I suppose that we have Mm. yeah totally um brilliant I think that's such a nice way the insecurities of being an adult is like an amazing (laughs) way to end so I don't want to talk I don't want to push anything else really but um I just want to end by um thanking you and asking um can you suggest anything that might have been helpful to you um during this period and it can be anything um I guess one recommendation I would make is to watch Parks and Recreation. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you, do you know this? It's an American sitcom. Uh, You can get it on Amazon Prime if you have that. Um, Yeah, many people will know it. It's it's got a, it's had a big following for years and I've only just really discovered it during, during lockdown, but it's, it's just wonderful. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's relentlessly hilarious, but so sweet and beautiful um and heartwarming so it's definitely a, a feel-good option oh parks great. And recreation nice parks and recreation okay i'll let that up <laughs> thanks um and then i always ask have you learned anything about yourself something or anything about yourself um well i just it sort of highlights not so much about me but like people in general that um what's fascinating is that we are quite resourceful and resilient and Mm. um how adaptable people are that you you kind of um before this happened you 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 would it would be unthinkable to imagine that we that life just ceases to 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 exist as normal and we all just stay at home Mm. for months um but we're doing it yeah um yeah, that's the sort of like success of human beings is that they adapt quite quickly. 
Yeah. Uh, it's just really fascinating to see. Yeah, definitely. And what that looked like. I feel like that could also be a theme of something that you do. Like, I don't know. I'm thinking about um, Little Shop of Horrors, um, maybe too much, but um, <laughs> <laughs> about plants and humans adapting to their scenarios. But yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's my personal be a good one to revisit yeah. yeah definitely oh brilliant well thank you so much that was that was great and um hopefully you. see you soon but speak soon and i'm looking forward to seeing more of you on uh, instagram singing we'll 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 do yes uh, <laughs> stay stay tuned folks brilliant. there'll be some more um dodgy songs yeah. <laughs> looking forward to the dodgy songs great all right thanks so much thanks emma all right Cheers. bye, -bye. bye.